Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the Femme Fam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey guys, it's time for another retroactive episode of Horror Movie Night. After a lot of discussion between the three of us, we figured the best episode to put out at this time is probably the most s-holish and awful of all the episodes we've ever done. Um, we come off as real douchebags on this episode, and it's kind of great. Uh, when we first announced that we were going to do retroactive episodes, this was without a doubt the episode that the most people asked us to please re-release. So we wanted to go through a couple of the reasons why this is such a popular episode, apparently amongst our fans, but definitely amongst us. Um, for me, I this movie, when I was listening back to it, I feel like I hate this movie so much more I feel like if you listen to the episode, I go from the beginning being like, yeah, I felt kind of nothing about this movie, but I definitely don't ever want to watch it again, to, like, by the end being like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this movie. <laughs> that was that was everyone feeding off my negative energy. I was so <laughs> fucking mad. And, like, oh, yeah, I was not happy at all about this. But I believe that I've made a lot of good points, and uh, hopefully I'll make more people hate this movie because it deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like pings of anger and like I feel myself lose respect for certain people when people that I respect talk about how much they love this movie because I'm just like how how do you love this movie it's so sweet <laughs> yep it's well as a romantic comedy I guess it works but as a horror movie, <laughs> <laughs> no I've I've like I've simmered down about this movie but I we we chose we should have gave me, uh, well, how long ago did we record that episode? Like six months? We should have gave me six months to cool down about this before we got a guest on for me to berate and yell at them <laughs> for 50 minutes. I'm trying to remember how you described the movie to me before I'd even watched it. Because you were the one that watched it first. And, like, you were... So the, so to, to show a little bit of the wizard behind this one, like, literally a week or two before this, 
we had done an episode on um on the lost jack ketchum's the uh. lost and adam didn't watch it but i think he was still on the episode <laughs> and scott and i were like oh it was so bad like none of the characters are likable blah 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 and then we get the message from from adam that's just like guys i still haven't watched jack ketchum's the lost but like if that movie bothered you you're like really in for some shit on this next one. <laughs> and like you described it as like Oh, it was super profane how I described it. Yeah, like it was like it's it's like if AIDS I think you said if AIDS and incest had a baby and it was retarded. Like I think that that's like <laughs> or like something along those lines. Like it was such a a cruel but yet weirdly accurate description of what the movie was. Well, that's like, that's kind of what that movie is. It's like an AIDS-induced horror movie. Like it all stems from from somebody contracting HIV, which is a weird way to start your movie. But like the the thing I remember most is like Aubrey was our guest, and and Aubrey knows how much we love this episode because she's heard us talk about it a lot, and and she was a good sport on the episode, but she she was attempting to defend the characters in the movie and there was just no defense of these characters at all they were all like malicious shitty people and uh yeah i think that's what i remember the most about it was like i really broke it down and i was like uh no you're wrong here's why everybody sucks well and here's the side thing too i'm almost positive this is the first time that any of us had spoken to aubrey and like verbally we had typed to her, but I'm pretty sure this was our first ever, like, hi, you're a human being that we're talking to now. And I'm pretty sure it was her first and only appearance on the podcast, quite possibly because somebody, <coughs> Adam, belittled and just train wrecked her, just bulldozed her. Anytime she, I think there's at least one point where she starts to speak her opinion and you just tell her, shut up, you're wrong, or something along those lines. <laughs> Oh, I had a lot of very strong thoughts on the movie. What do you want? All right, so here is uh, our our retroactive episode on Red, White, and Blue. I know there is one more thing. This episode almost didn't happen because I think Scott couldn't remember who the asshole was on the episode, and he wanted to make <laughs> sure it wasn't him before he gave approval. Yeah. Uh, and this is yeah, this is one of those times where where Scott is almost the least assholeist of the three of us. Ah, I love it. <laughs> so enjoy our retroactive episode on Red, White, and Blue, and we'll be back on Saturday with whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> Joined by my frequent co-host Scott Ichabob Guitar, 
always co-host. Uh, my newest uh, pseudo co-host, Adam. Life is sublime, O'Brien. Occasional co-host when I can be bothered to watch the movie. <laughs> Basically, more pestered enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and our guest is Oh Hey Aubrey, uh, the person who picked today's movie, uh, Red, White, and Blue. Yeah. So let's start off with Aubrey. Why did you pick this particular film? Um, I had seen it a while ago, I guess, when it came out, which I don't remember exactly when that was, um, and, and really liked it then. But it was so depressing that I didn't watch it for, like, forever. And I'm a, I tend to rewatch movies over and over and over again. Um, but so I watched it again um, not that long ago, a couple months ago, and just I just love the movie. I really like revenge stuff, and this was almost like a revenge love story that turns out really sad, I guess. And so I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, I know that for me, I, I had a whole bunch of different mixed emotions from the time that I watched it and finished it to now. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I, I think I kind of like this. And then the stuff that we'll be discussing soon towards like the second half of the movie started happening where I, I don't know if it was that I disliked it or I disliked how it was making me feel, <laughs> but I was just kind of like, I don't know how I, I, like, I can't put my finger on this. And then afterwards, like the next day, I was like, I don't know, maybe I did kind of like it. And it was kind of one of those every every other day my opinion changed on if I thought it was a good movie or a bad movie. And I still haven't actually been down which one I think, but I, I know that I think I'm not going to watch it again to find out. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, I think I don't know. I There was a point I was talking to Adam on, on Facebook while I was watching it every once in a while. Because he wanted to know my thoughts, because he had watched it before all of us. And uh, I think there was a point where I messaged him, and I was just like, this is the most expensive public service announcement for wearing condoms I've ever seen in my life. But I think that the one thing, there, there's you know, been a couple movies that we've, that we've ragged on that a lot of other people liked, and the one thing that I will say about this movie is that the tone is consistent throughout. Um, it, you know, you kind of, you enter the film already in a bleak situation, and it, it yeah. just stays there. It doesn't, it doesn't try to, to make things comfortable with some comedy sprinkled through or, or do anything wacky or goofy, or too wacky or goofy until, uh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about the, the skinning scene, but... Um, That's my favorite part. <laughs> but it, it it's definitely um, it's it's at the very least it's a consistent film. It knows what it wants to be. Uh, I guess the question for me is like how successful it was at at doing some of this stuff because I think that there are points where it definitely is so much stuff layered on top of each other. That, that it almost stops being dramatic and sad and almo almost becomes, like, moderately laughable in just how depressing it is. Like, like, you get that nervous laughter where you're just like, I, don't, I guess this is funny. Like, um, I, I didn't laugh at all. I, I, <laughs> Not I, at least a little bit. No, I, I think I found myself 
at the point where it was like, and now the mom has like has it was just kind of one of those like this is so depressing that I kind of just had a like I didn't know what else to, like I just started to like chuckle and not like a this is hilarious or this is making me feel good but it was just like I need to break the tension of how awkward <laughs> all of this is but like it kind of had that um when you've watched like like I guess it just felt like like it was just so much sadness stacked on top of sadness that it was like this is like a horror movie version of an episode of seventh heaven like it's just how how much how much depressing angsty high school stuff can happen in the next 10 minutes okay i'm gonna jump in here all right go adam (laughs) i'm tagging you in okay Aubrey, I want to really right off the bat. I you said that you love this movie and and you obviously like it. I mean, absolutely no um, no insult to you, and I I hope that I don't upset you with this. I fucking hated this movie. I hated it so much. And and I I mean I'm looking at um, IMDb and and Rotten Tomatoes, and they're all the majority are positive reviews. I know that I'm in the minority here, but I hated this movie so friggin' much. I was furious when I was done watching this movie. I was so <laughs> angry, and I'm happy that I watched it, uh, like, uh, five days ago, as opposed to right before this podcast, because I was just livid when I was done watching this movie. I hate everyone. I hate all the characters. They're all terrible, shitty people. They have, I feel sympathy for absolutely no one except for that guy's mom, who immediately turns around and dies five minutes later. Like, I, I hate all these characters. I just, I'm, I'm rushing to, for them to die. I just can't wait for them all to die. Horrible, painful deaths. The chick, the main chick included, who's just a terrible piece of shit, who, uh, like, knowingly gave many, many, many people HIV and just didn't care. Uh, I was so mad that I watched this movie. I was so upset afterwards. I, I agree that I think that most of these characters are super unlikable, which always makes for a difficult viewing experience for me, because I want to at least have one person to root for. Um, one of the people that I actually felt sympathy for, and it was... Probably the most difficult scene in the movie for me to watch because it was one of the few characters I felt sympathy for was when uh, Crazy Redneck Guy had everyone tied up and he basically gave that girl the option to like be set yeah. free or die with her family. And <laughs> she chose, she was like, I want to die with my family. And even he was kind of like, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that answer. Um, so like that that was like the one character where I'm like, oh well there's some shining glimmer of hope in this film that there's one character that has some ounce of of goodness in them. Um too bad they're just used as a prop for someone's insanity in the movie. But it uh on the plot because I, I Scott and I like to always try to have the what we call review sandwich of good and bad. And I know that Adam can agree with me on this. The soundtrack in this movie is awesome. That's the only thing I like about it. <laughs> the one and only thing I like is the soundtrack. I want to live in this town where everywhere you go, punk and rockabilly music is playing at every restaurant and bar. No matter where you are, punk and rockabilly music all the time. 
I think we should give Aubrey a chance to, because I, I don't want it to sound like we're just steamrolling her. So I definitely want Aubrey to have a chance to respond to things as well. Wait, so before she before she responds, can I can I rag on the movie first? Or should I let her? <laughs> do do we want to let her get get some? Word in before I take a shit on the film too. Well, she or? she might be able to refute some yeah, of the things that you're able, about want, to say. No, I want her to try to refute some of the things because I, I, I mean, I think that in order of like and dislike, it kind of goes from dislike to like Adam Scott, me, and then Aubrey. So I want I want Aubrey to actually because she might be able to convince me to rewatch it because I'm still on the fence on if I liked or disliked this movie. So I'm willing to keep an open mind. Um, so go ahead, Aubrey. Please refute some of the things that we've said because I don't want this to sound like like just a like a beating. <laughs> we don't want it to sound like the podcast version of what happened in your film. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So mostly, there's the fact that you guys just pretty much hate everybody or find no one to have any redeeming qualities, but I see it in almost everybody. So like the main guy, Nate, like loves her. He's actually kind of sweet in this sort of creepy, weird, antisocial way. Um, and I love, <laughs> I love that he kills all those people for her in the end. I think it's really sweet. That is the um, most dysfunctional thing that has ever been said. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about somebody who, upon first meeting someone, immediately tells them a story about killing small animals when they were a child. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he had a bad childhood. And obviously, like, the main character, Erica, obviously, like, she's had a really screwed up life. And so, yeah, she's going around giving everybody AIDS, which makes you want to hate her. But you also feel kind of bad for her, because what kind of screwed up person do you have to be to, like go around and spread this disease to random people. Like, obviously something's wrong with her. She's not doing it, like, for fun. So, well, like, while that may not be a redeeming quality that makes me want to be her friend <laughs> or like her, it doesn't make me hate her because I feel bad for her. <laughs> well, she's doing it because she's a sex addict. She has an addiction. She has a problem, and she needs to get it. But I believe the reason that she's purposely spreading HIV is because she hates the fact that she's a sex addict. She doesn't like men, um, and she's she's pissed off at her own ad addiction. So when that older guy was like, no, we need to use a condom, and she was like, don't be a faggot, like she she was like openly convincing, like knowingly convincing somebody to not use protection and get the disease from her as a way of like punishing that person for her own problems. She has mental issues that you don't take yes. that out on hundreds of unsuspecting partners. That's true. But like, where do those issues come from? Obviously it's not <clears throat> explored in the movie really, but she got screwed up somewhere really badly enough to where she hates people enough to want to give them AIDS. Yeah. True, but same with every um, every like serial killer out there. I don't feel sympathy for Jeffrey Dahmer just because he had mental issues and a poor upbringing, or I don't feel issues for Ed Kemper just because he did like had a poor upbringing. These people did horrible, awful things and ended people's lives and ruined families. I don't feel sympathy for any of those people, and neither do I feel sympathy for Erica just because she had a, a poor upbringing. 
And at the beginning of the movie, we see that she's doing absolutely nothing to help herself. She's not looking for work. She's simply just cleaning that apartment, staying there for free, and going out getting drunk and fucking dudes. You're not trying to better or help yourself in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think that that's just that's like... True. I feel like this movie... Um, and, and like I think here's the... Here's the thing where I where I'm torn on do, did I like it or I I didn't like it and I feel like I don't like the movie but I appreciate what the movie is trying to feel like and the more I think about it, the more I think about all the the sleazy grindhouse films of the 70s like the the last house on the left and the you know I, I spit on your grave and stuff like that and like those movies are not good viewing experiences they're not enjoyable experiences, um, but they they show this really pretty much everyone in those movies is disgusting and despicable. And I think with this movie, this movie would have complete. I think that there is one thing that they could have done that could have completely turned me around on this movie um, that was done in Last House on the Left that wasn't done in this film. And in Last House on the Left, you've got these parents that basically turn their house into like the home alone version of death. Like it's just booby trapped and they, they murder and tear apart these three people that killed their daughter. Um, and then after it's all done, they have this look on their face like, Hey, guess what? We just turned ourselves into monsters and we still will never see our daughter again. Um, and I, I feel like if there was this, if, if I felt this feeling at the end of the movie that Nate had this, shit, I did all this terrible stuff and I still don't have the only person I love back. Like, there'd be that moment where I'm like, okay, well, in all this, like, it, I, it would make a bleak story even bleaker, but I feel like it would be an actually rewarding bleakness of, like, all of that violence and all of that me- didn't, did nothing for him. <laughs> like, it, it didn't... Lesson, basically? You want a lesson at the end of this movie? What'd you say? You want, like, a lesson... I, I guess like a moral. I not not like a moral or a lesson, but I you know it would make that moment at the end of it feel like you know just because you killed fifteen people or however many people he kills doesn't fix his situation any more or any less. And maybe the feeling of guilt and that feeling of of like wow, well that didn't fix anything. Um, I just became a bigger monster than the people who did this to her in the first place. But I mean, I, I like, I just, I, I kind of agree with Adam in the sense of I can see, I can find some elements of sympathy for Nate, but uh, there's no way you can convince me to feel sympathy for her, because she is just knowingly doing this, and like Adam said, like she's not going out and trying to to fix things, so she's just taking it out on unsuspecting people. Um, like at least with Nate's thing, there's. There's some, like, there's a re like, we see a reason for why he's doing the stuff that he's doing. Even if it's completely fucked up and, and misdirected, there, there's, <laughs> we actually know the motivation behind it. Whereas, like, the motivation behind her, as far as we as an audience see, is just like, oh, well, she's just a terrible human being. Um, but that's all I've got there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't even really want. I, I, I feel like I'm, kind of directing, 
my hatred of this movie towards Aubrey, which I'm, I don't mean to be doing at all. I don't feel that way. <laughs> okay. okay, good. I just, I just, I, <laughs> I have nothing good to say about it. I walked away from this just feeling disgusted. I feel like it was just, um, okay, I, it was, I said this to, to Matt when I was finished watching it. I said, it's like if the movie Kids um, raped a torture porn <laughs> movie and when that when that baby came out, it had cancer. <laughs> That's um, how I feel about this movie. Well, it's and, an amalgamation of all those terrible, 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 terrible things. Well, and you, I mean, you were also acting in a... Because you picked this movie not knowing all the movies that were before it. So it was kind of like this progression of like four or five movies that just kept getting more and more depressing. And this is something that... that Adam and Scott both pointed out when we were discussing other things is that, you know, for, a, for the thing that people have to understand when we, sometimes when we trash certain movies and I, I get that this is greatly affecting our opinion of it, but a lot of people, if they've already seen the movie, they don't rewatch it. Uh, they, they just, they know what they want to talk about and they talk about it for us, especially when it's a bunch of movies in a row that we haven't seen. We have to watch it every single week. So, for like, I would say roughly from opera to now, <laughs> it's just yeah. been like progressively grimmer and more depressing films that we've been putting ourselves through. Like, I am really <laughs> looking forward to like a, a black comedy like Ravenous next week and the craziness that will be Frankenstein's Army because I definitely need that 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 fresh air <laughs> after the last couple couple picks. And it's kind of sucks because you got stuck at the tail end of that. Whereas if this movie was say in between, you know, American psycho and ginger snaps, it would have just been like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is kind of a, a fresh break into a depressing reality based uh, film in between these two kind of silly movies. But instead it was just, Oh wow! Something even more depressing than we need to talk about Kevin. How exciting! Um, <laughs> Did we lose Scott? No, I'm here. You've been shockingly Scott. Quiet. What was your, I, what I was your favorite it. scene? <laughs> Scott, favorite so scene. So I've been trying to get because so Aubrey, um, how does it feel to finally be on the podcast after us like the last three rounds not being able to coordinate with you? I feel unrejected. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's first time for everything. Um, so, okay, here's the thing. Um, obviously, I didn't enjoy the film. I don't think this is a movie that, sh that anybody really enjoys. I think that you endure it, and then there's some sort of feeling of accomplishment from having watched this shit. Um, but I, I really, like, I just felt like, you know, I've seen a lot of awful things on film. And I know that they're not real, but it just kind of puts you in a dark place. And, um, and you know, I watched the remake of I Spill on Your Grave, which has still set the bar as far as fucked up exploitation slash revenge films go. It's way worse than the original and way worse than the original Last House on the Left. So, I mean, this movie pales in comparison to that. Because at least in a, 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 a decent revenge film, you have somebody that you're kind of rooting for. And I think that that's the disconnect here, is that there's, at least for us, 
and for well, for me and Adam, I don't I don't want to speak for Matt, and I definitely am not speaking for you because I know that you liked and thought that you liked uh, Nate and thought that he was kind of sweet in a fucked up way, which um, I'm not that, <laughs> yeah. that thought process there. Um, but everybody was a piece of shit in this movie, and so there was no way to latch on to and be like, yeah, okay. Okay, I can rally behind this person. And I think that that same thing kind of happened in The Lost, where, but I think that that wasn't necessarily intentional. I think that was just bad writing. Um, we went over that in the podcast and discussed last two fucking weeks of discussions. Um, you know, I think that my biggest issue with the last three movies is that they're all, I mean, that's just, that's bad timing because they're, they're all in a row and they're all really dark. Um, and I have, no love for that style of film because we've been over that as well, where I like, I like escapism. Um, so, so I'm, I'm informed by that, but, um, there's definitely like, at least in, at least in, um, a movie like a revenge film, like, uh, I spend your grave there's somebody to root for, or there are a couple people to root for. And then you, you have that kind of range of emotion where there's the triumph because people, the bad people are getting fucked up by the good guy. And then there's the, the tragedy because the good guy has become a monster for, um, you know, stooping basically to the level of, of the assail the previous assailants. And that's not here because Nate's already a scumbag. And that's the very first story he tells. I mean, I don't see, I don't, I don't personally, as a dude, see that as anything less than, like, why the fuck was she even interested in that dude? I mean, I understand that they, what they were getting at is that they could have a sexless relationship, or it's implied that it's sexless until the last scene, um, where, you know, it's, it's implied that they have a sexless relationship, and that's why he's different from all the other guys, and that's why she doesn't want to, like have him die and spread AIDS to him. But I mean, maybe they did fuck because they apparently got married. That's what that last scene implies. But also this movie suffered from the same thing that the law suffered from, which is being lost in time now. Cause all she had were these like Polaroids of dudes that she banged. Also like, why would the dudes have accepted this random drunk check being like, Hey, can I take a Polaroid of you? Also, Polaroid film is not made anymore. So that, <laughs> you know, we play that joke with Bulge Lover, and I'm, I'm always like, so that's what broke your your sense of uh, disbelief, your suspension of disbelief. And those things just really take me out of films because it's like if you're going to be super gritty and real about, like, your your movie, and if you're going for, okay, this could happen, there are shitty people out there and they kind of attract each other, and then everybody dies. Get your facts straight. Like, Polaroids aren't made anymore. You're not going to be able to find a 70s prom outfit to go get married in a, a, a chapel in Vegas. You're not, I mean, I... Ah. See, I'll, de I'll defend the, the chapel um, strictly because, uh, like I said, I, I imagine that that is they more boss at a thrift store, I know. No, 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 I never said they bought suits at a thrift store. I, When we talked about this, what I said was that they went to such a cheapy-ass little chapel that it already had these fucking old-ass suits that yeah. people could rent. Like, that's the implication that I got out of that. 
okay, see that, I guess that, I guess I can accept that, but I just found, I found everything that was supposed to hit being really hollow, you know, because I didn't care about anybody. And so at the end, that felt really cheap, like, okay, so that's supposed to be the, 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 the little surprise jab at the end. I don't, eh, doesn't do anything for me. Would, but, if they removed, if they removed Nate's story and they made Nate just this normal, nice guy. And he snapped. Would that have changed everything for you? Or a lot of things? Absolutely. Because he'd have a reason to be crazed. Whereas I never felt like he was really crazed. I always felt like he was just fucked up from day one. And he was basically just, he needed a reason. And so it was almost like if you watch this movie again and thinking about the reason, like if you think, why was he attracted to, to the girl, Erica, I guess. Maybe he was looking for a girl that was so fucked up that when she continued to fuck up royally, they could go and have, like, a rampage. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make some sort of excuse for the character because, I, I don't know. It just it just, it didn't do it for me. I've, I've seen it done better. I've also seen it enough that I really don't want to see it anymore. Like, if you, <laughs> Aubrey, have you watched the I Spit on Your Grave remake? Yeah, yeah, I have. What were your thoughts on it? Um, it's been a while since I watched it, but I liked it, I remember. It's been a, quite a while. But you're um, also I liked it more than the original. I was going to say, she's been <laughs> very open that she likes revenge films, though. So I think that that's... Yeah. You know, I mean, like, the, like, I'm someone who doesn't like revenge films that much. So I'm sure my yeah. opinion of the movie will be different than, than Aubrey's opinion of it as well. I actually... Last House on the Left is one of my favorite revenge films. The original? Um, no, the new one. <laughs> I like the original one too, but I like the new one. I don't know. I just really like the parents. Like I find them very believable. And like it's a different like how often really are parents doing how how often are parents involved at all in horror movies? You know what I mean? It's usually like a group of teenagers or whatever or like a, a whole family that's terrorized or something like that and the parents usually die um but in that case the parents took like a really excellent revenge for their kid which i really liked um but i like what i like about this movie too is that even though i like the main character um nate like there are times when i don't like him like when he goes to the family and he ties up the wife and the little girl there's really no reason for that other than that he's fucked up and he just wants everybody to hurt because he's hurting um but i like that there's no one that you can necessarily get behind like i don't think you have to have that in a film to make it good i don't think all films revenge films have to be follow this certain um what's the word setup of you know these people that you hate and then the hero or an anti-hero or whatever. Um, but I like that everybody's like fucked up and has their own story and you kind of hate everybody, but then you're kind of rooting for him because, you know, they killed his girl or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's just something I like, which is funny that other people hate it. It's interesting that other people hate it. <laughs> Aubrey, you were definitely... You're talking the only three people in Horror Club and probably the only three guys on Reddit who don't love the fucked up shit that this movie does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you're, I am not looking for... It's reviews on all the sites. No, absolutely. Right. I'm not, I'm not look, 
I'm not looking forward to waking up Monday morning for yet another barrage of messages about how Scott and I are grouchy old assholes. Hey, I'll be with you. Okay, I got. I have two things though. Two things. All right. So I, I a couple rounds back, I chose I saw the devil, which again is a revenge flick, and which in no way really um, follows that traditional blueprint of revenge flicks. By the end of the movie, you're kind of feeling sympathy for the 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 serial killer from the beginning of the movie at least some people are i know a lot of people korean one or japanese or yeah something? the korean one the korean okay, one okay. with the dude from old yeah but yeah you, you yeah. picked that what's that you picked that right i picked that yeah fuck you yeah in your face oh <laughs> suck it scott suck it hard okay um but but the reason that that i feel that that one works is because at least the cop and his wife start out as innocents Erica in this movie does not start out as innocent. Nate in this movie does not start out as innocent. So when Erica dies, you're you're almost like, okay, good. These guys probably just saved another couple dozen people from getting <laughs> HIV. They did they did a service. And when Nate comes to kill these guys, you don't really give a fuck about them either because they just killed a girl simply because she she contracted them with HIV. Um, so nobody, nobody is innocent in this situation. And, and the reason that I don't really feel anything for Nate is because the first interaction that we have with Nate, he immediately jumps into his story about, I'm pretty much a serial killer. This is what I did when I was a kid. I killed small animals. So he's not innocent either. Nobody in this movie is innocent. Well, and I think, I I guess, one of the things that, that Adam's pointing out and it's starting to click in my head too is it takes away I think it actually takes away something by by introducing this you know this story subplot with Nate that that most people know is connected to serial killers you know what I mean because then it takes away this sudden change where the guy who seems like the nicest one ends up being the craziest one but he yeah. is the nicest one because he doesn't want to fuck her. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But like, <laughs> but you—if you removed him telling that story, then it—it's a, a more shocking turn of events. Versus like most people who hear that story know enough about signs of someone being a serial killer to sit there and kind of go like, uh, "This guy's gonna turn." Okay, and then okay, go go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just a great. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I was wondering about is Scott brought up the book of pictures that she has, which I didn't really think about it until now. But that adds another whole entirely fucked up layer to to her character. Not only is she an addict and she's punishing other people for her addictions, but she's literally keeping a notebook of evidence about it and looking over it with a sense of pride or something like why the fuck is she keeping that notebook what is she doing so she's not only knowingly doing this but then she's keeping evidence of it so that she can look back over her quote-unquote accomplishments later like what the shit is that she's such a horrible human being they're like um funeral photography yeah you know because she's like basically like i gave those guys a death sentence I mean, I, I appreciate the 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 how macabre that is. I mean, there there. Okay, I won't say that there is nothing redeeming about this movie, 
because like that was kind of a, an interesting concept and you know the skinning scene was great um I, I was super happy when the dude with the shitty Texas tattoo got murdered because that's like <laughs> the worst tattoo, worst placement, such a waste of like flesh for a tattoo ever. So, I mean, I, I did applaud when everybody got murdered, but it just didn't, it felt hollow because I didn't give a shit about anybody. I was like, okay, one more person is dead. That means I'm one step closer to being able to turn this film off. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, I, I have a question though. So Nate definitely got HIV too, right? No, we've yeah. been over this, and well, yeah, I've, I've okay, no, no, I, no, I disagree they with. Didn't, I don't think because here's I don't here's think Adam's well, and Adam's theory, which I think is ludicrous, is that he got HIV because when he was skinning the guy, blood got in his mouth. And no, I don't I think that's how HIV works. You have a very low probability no. of, 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 of being infected from uh, the oral route. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at a picture on... Okay, I'm looking at a picture on Rotten Tomatoes of, of him during that scene. He's got it all up in his nose. He's got it near his eyes. He's got it he has on his mouth. Cut. But, yeah, but did he put it in his dick? Did he? Just, <laughs> like, did I don't he think. Up the, I don't think skin? the movie, like the point of that scene of the blood being all over. I don't think it. You're supposed to like gather from that that he got AIDS by killing someone. <laughs> I think it's more probable that he got AIDS from having sex with his then wife. Like if he has AIDS at the end, if theoretically they're not married unless it was consummated. That's all I'm saying. No, you know jack shit about marriage licenses. It's, <laughs> <laughs> because I plan to never get one, no, so that's like fine. <laughs> Listen, as a guy, as the only one of the four of us who's fucking married, I'll tell you, the only thing that required of someone to get married to someone else is to have a registered official say, "I now pronounce you by in, with the powers vested in me by the state of Ohio, you are now man and wife." That's all you have to say. So yes, the, the only there. difference with consummation is you can either get it, you either get it annulled or divorced, right? What if, hey, what if, what if Nate doesn't have a penis? What if that's <laughs> he's so angry? I mean, I, if they if they revealed that at the okay. very end of the movie, <laughs> that would have been such a better climax. Who <laughs> been an anti climax? <laughs> like they did a reverse sleepaway camp. <laughs> <laughs> And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. 
We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the Fem Fam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.